the Love You'll Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Erin Gray, and welcome to the day before Valentine's Day episode where I bring to you my Valentine. And we're going to talk love language. We're going to talk knowing yourself and your expectations. And we're going to talk about what happens when the Enneagram type two and type nine are in relationship. This is full of so much love, connection, and guidance. Let's get started. Well, seeing that tomorrow is Valentine's Day, I thought there was no time more appropriate than for you to get to meet my lifetime Valentine, my hubby, Eric. I'm so happy to have him here today, and I'm so happy to dive into this conversation because we have been married for 22 wonderful years, and you know, we've done the work. We've done a lot of individual work. We've done a lot of couple work. And I don't think that you can go through a long-term relationship without diving into exploring yourself and exploring what you as a couple looks like. In fact, Ram Das, this incredible teacher, I will include the link down below in this incredible article that he wrote, but Ram Das would describe a relationship as a triangle that there is two individuals but that over time there is a third entity that is created that is the two of you together and so that's actually called the triangle of love is how he describes this and I think there is nothing truer than that that as you go through life with a partner that there is this third piece to you that exists that each of you contribute to that completes you as a whole. And so I'm so excited to dive into our triangle together. And I'm so happy you are here. We're going to talk about love language. We're going to talk about knowing ourselves and how knowing ourselves has allowed us to know each other and love each other better and to have less expectation for each other and then dive a little bit into the Enneagram. So honey, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. So happy to be here. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. (laughs) So do you remember what your love language is? Do you know your love language? Uh, Mine would be physical touch. That's correct. And do you remember what my love language is? That would be acts of service. Yes. So good. So how do you feel like our love languages communicate well and we have kind of challenging expectations for each other based off of our love language? Great question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, and just, you know, for your listeners, we, we didn't really prepare much beforehand. So, but uh, <laughs> this really is a live conversation here. So, yeah, I, I think that... Uh, in this example, obviously we have different love languages. So that's creates differences in and of itself, um, just in kind of your expectation of what you need in order to feel loved. And, you know, the things that might be more important to you don't mean as much to me. And the things that are more important to me might not mean as much for you. And, and that goes through all the languages because we appreciate the things in, in all of the different languages to certain degrees. And so I think that just naturally sets itself up for some challenges if you don't understand it. And so having that understanding a little bit more, make sure that, you know, that, okay, if you're asking me to do something um, or to help you out in some way, that that's 
disproportionately important to you than it might be for me. Mm, that's um, a, a good way a, to say that. In a mm-hmm. similar situation. And yeah, and so just recognizing that that is important to you is something that in and of itself would be a um, important for me to understand. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a great example is even today, right? I asked you to stop by this door to pick up some stuff for our daughter. And not only did you stop by the store to pick up stuff for our daughter, you bought the things that she would love and you knew you knew the things that she would love so specifically that knowing those details meant so much to me and made me feel so loved, not just for me, but for our daughter, because you you knew her so well that you bought all the same all the things that she would love without me even asking. And so I think that particular acts of service made me feel even more appreciated and more loved. Yep. <laughs> so good job. Thank you. <laughs> He's like, yes. <laughs> Point. <laughs> but I think, you know, you being a love language, I, that is, you know, on my list, it's like a, a zero on my list. And not that I don't love and love hugs. Of course, we know how much I want to hug in the house, but I want all the other love languages more than I do physical touch. But I will, at the end of my our day, when we're on the couch watching a show, I will, when I find myself sitting on the end of the couch, I will actively move over toward you and try to cuddle with you or, you know, hold your hand or actively remember and consciously choose to physically touch you because... I know that that's your love language and I don't inherently think that way. And I love you very much. And I just get tired. I get, I'm emotionally, as we know, I'm emotionally or energetically sensitive. So when I touch people, I don't just feel their skin. I feel their energy. I feel everything. So I, you know, in touching you, I feel your emotions. I feel your energy. I feel everything about you. So I... Uh, there's many times where I feel, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that, people who are energetically sensitive. It's not just holding someone's hand or walking near someone. You are taking in and feeling all of their energy and their emotions, and it's just all part of being an amazing empath. So that's so great. However, then showing that love through that physical touch is this conscious effort to you that I want to show to you. But it is this conscious effort that I try to make sure I move over and hold your hand or, you know, cuddle while we're watching TV or something. So it is that conscious choice. Our daughter probably felt us talking about her. So I think she's the only one who gets to break through on on our conversation. I was just going to say, yeah. So that's something that, again, being aware of our love languages, I know that that's not your love language, physical touch. And so when in that example, when you're sitting on the couch, um, and yeah, I might be more inclined to lean towards you and try to hold your hand or something like that. But I also try to be aware that that doesn't mean the same for you. And I don't want to impede on you if when you're feeling like that, uh, exhausted from your day or whatever, you want your, your alone time or isolation. So, but I don't take that personally in that case, because I understand that that's just a difference in our love languages. And I've never actually connected it until this moment that it is that the physical language for me is 
the energetic exhaustion. Like I, I never actually really connected that till this moment right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's really interesting. At the same time, I never want you to f- resist or hold back from cuddling with me because you worry about that. You're so sweet to worry about that too. So I think there it is this, I think for couples out there who have this, I think there is this push-pull compromise that you, you know, read the room to know what the right balance is. Well, what else are you going to say about that? No, I think that's that's right. It's just that, yeah, reading the room or, you know, and knowing the right time and the right situation and, yeah, and just making sure that, I don't know, that it's just the right context or whatever. So, mm-hmm. and I know you do a lot and you do a lot around the house as well. And you spend and exert a lot of energy taking care of our family and everything, which I really appreciate. And thank you. I want to say thank you very much. Um, <laughs> thank you. And so I know that you are oftentimes, particularly when you're sitting on the couch, exhausted <laughs> <laughs> and just sitting there because you've been running around doing all sorts of things the rest of the time of, uh, of the day. So, you know, I know that sometimes you just want that break and to be, be alone. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a great assessment of love languages in and of itself. I think it's important to one, know your partner's love language, but then two, to not take it personally when they're not expressing your language and to also recognize where that expectation lies, like where you're expecting them to do something, but they aren't, that it's not personal, that it is just their perspective. And if you need that, I think it's important to ask for for that and to know and understand your partner's love language. I think it is, I think since, since us doing this work, gosh, I don't know, it's probably been a decade, I think, since we took that first test of understanding. And it was like shocking because we were completely opposite in our love languages. So it's been a long time of understanding what that looks like and how that really is how our bodies interpret love for each of our own selves. And that love in and of itself is giving that person the love in the way that they interpret it and feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another topic that we always talk about here is we can only love our uh, someone else as much as we love ourselves. And I think that this is true in coming to know ourselves, that as we come to know ourselves, we can then understand, and again, not holding expectations, not even just in love languages, but just in life and personality in general. Is there any particular lesson that you've learned about yourself or that we've learned together that has helped you understand yourself better that's then helped our our relationship yeah i i think i would say you know one of the the things that occurs to me is you know i'm i'm a fairly practical person and and uh you know i'm i'm i have more you know i'm a, a finance guy so i'm focused on numbers and um some of that and and so sometimes i just say or do whatever I think is the practical thing to say or do. And I don't really think through necessarily the implications of that or how that's necessarily going to be received. So similar to what we were just talking about with the love languages of, I think I've come to understand that a little bit better about myself that I have that tendency. Um, And so that may stop me sometimes because I may say something that is not intended to be um, offensive anyways, in any way or derogatory, 
by any means, but it might be received that way or perceived that way, you know, by you or, or whomever else, but, but certainly by, by you in this case. And, uh, and so I try to make sure that I'm more aware of that and cognizant of that because I don't intend to, you know, say something that would, you know, trigger a reaction in you that is not the intended reaction. And, and I think that sometimes as we've developed in our relationship, right, I think we've gotten to that point of, uh, under both of us understanding those things a little bit better. And so there's, don't get me wrong, there's still moments, <laughs> but certainly they're not, uh, you know, intended in, in many cases. And, and I think we've together as a couple done a much better job of diffusing some of those situations before they became major issues. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that understanding for myself and, and I'm sure you for yourself as well has been a key factor in, in developing that ability, you know, for us to manage that properly. Mm-hmm. I totally agree and feel so lucky that one, that I have your practical sense. I mean, I think that I'm, I'm fairly practical too, but mm-hmm. I also, I think like we've always said, we're really great compliments to each other yeah. that I, I move a bit faster and you move a little bit slower, but in that's good for both of us because I speed you up a little bit and you slow me down a little bit so that we can make really great full perspective decisions for ourselves individually, as well as for our family and our businesses and all of that. So I I think we make a pretty good team. I think so too. No, I'm so grateful. And, but we've also worked for that. So, you know, I love seeing brand new brides and grooms and the innocence of it all. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a woman when I was younger that we had gone to her. It was like their 40th or 50th anniversary party. And she she was just this amazing, outlandish, just really outspoken woman. And she was giving a toast to the room. And she said, cheers to 40 years. And most of them were good ones. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, being a young girl at that point in time, I was like, what? Like, how could she say that? (laughs) But now that we're older and wiser, (laughs) you know, I think there are, I think that you and I have also come to understand law of attraction and that we focus on what we want to bring out of each other and don't pay attention to as much of what we don't love about each other. And um, also, I think we give each other more space. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. I think there's a lot of where I let you be you mm-hmm. and you let me be me. And I think that's a sign of maturity. I think that's a time, a sign of our time together. But I have to say there's one other aspect, I think, for me that I feel like I've grown a lot. In spirituality, I would get upset in the house that, you know, you didn't respect my, my perspective or my spirituality, but I also didn't really speak it you know, and it was something that I had to kind of come out on literally like within our house, but also within the world and in my business. And there was this moment that for me was so pivotal that it was so funny because he's right in that we didn't really prepare for this all too much. We kind of wanted it. Well, no, like not irresponsibly, like we kind of wanted it authentic, like an authentic conversation here. But the one thing that we started to talk about was really this, this pivotal moment for me. Because I wanted to, this is one more of our, our challenging time periods a couple years ago. 
I wanted to hang a feng shui pink crystal in our bedroom that the feng shui practitioner that I was working with had said would help move the energy and our relationship. And if you know anything about crystals, you know that they need to be charged in the full moon. So it was the year, it was the summer that there was three super moons in a row, like three months in a row. So I put this, it was meant so much to me. I had this beautiful, huge pink crystal round crystal ready to go in our room and I charged it one month and I was like oh wait there's two more super moons so I had charged it special outside waiting three super moons in a row so it was three months super mooned prepped and charged and I was ready I had so much so much expectation that this crystal was gonna just revolutionize the energy in our relationship and I I am so lucky to have a very tall husband. So I asked him to hang it in our bedroom because he didn't need a ladder (laughs) and I would need a ladder. And so I asked him to hang this. And all I remember is I got so mad because you were like, whatever, if you want to hang this crystal, like not a big deal. Like we'll just hang the crystal. Like, right. And here it was like such a, you know, brought to you on a silk pillow <laughs> moment. Right. And and it was like, whatever. But then you said to me, you're like, why are you like, or, oh, no, this is what I think you said something like, well, whatever. If you think that this is what is going to heal our relationship, then great. Like, let's hang the, let's hang it, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I got upset that, It didn't mean as much to you as it meant to me. However, you then said to me, you're like, because he's in finance. He says, you know, I don't, you know, feng shui, okay, whatever. But he's like, I don't question Sarbanes-Oxley, right? That's how you say it? Sarbanes-Oxley. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Um, He's like, I don't, I don't question that. Like, that's just how it is. He's like, if feng shui is as dependable and proper as you say it is, why why would you get upset that I don't believe it? Like it should just be. And it was this like, honestly, it was like this incredible moment where I realized, right? Like it wasn't personal. None of this Mm -hmm. was personal. And I did need to believe in what I believed for that, that, that spirituality is as much fact as Sarbanes-Oxley or accounting or, you know, math in and of itself. And, you know, when you begin to believe when it's time. Um, and it was like this great moment for me to not take your journey so personally that I knew you would have to get there on your own, just as I get there in accounting on my own. <laughs> right. But so I feel like for me, that was like a really great growth moment because from that point on, I began to speak a little louder. It was at that moment that I started to meditate before I would go to bed. Like I wouldn't hide my meditation anymore. I meditated in, you know, within the family and I had a place at at that time. I think I felt like I didn't have a place in the house, but I didn't create a place in the house for myself. Mm -hmm. And so from that moment on, I then allowed myself space to meditate. I allowed myself to, to talk about spirituality. And as a result, like all of our family has now, and, you know, incorporated so many of these principles into our family that I feel happier. And there's so many clients and friends that I've also like 
talked about this process with because they themselves are trying to stay hidden within their family. And I'm like, you know what? It's not that your husband has to accept your spirituality. Like you need to be confident enough to just talk about your spirituality in the house and allow that energy to flow into everybody else rather than feeling upset that they're not coming to you. Like you, you be the beacon of light and allow them, allow your light to shed on to them. Yeah. As, as you're telling that story, I was thinking of an, another one about like, if you remember the time we went hiking up to the, the top of the hill and we got up there and then there was a tree. And so you decided you were going to stretch quote unquote but you had your hands on the tree and you definitely look like it was not your normal stretch. And I'm like, okay, like you're trying to like, you know, do something with the energy of the tree, aren't you? <laughs> and it was like, I busted you, but it was like, you, you, and you were trying to do it on the sly so that I didn't, I didn't know what you were doing. Like you're trying to hide it, but then you admitted it. Afterwards, <laughs> that There was something, yeah, connecting to the tree roots or something like that. And you're like, well, I didn't want you to think I was crazy. <laughs> Like it's it's okay, honey. If that's what you want to do, then um, that's great. <laughs> I don't even remember that. And I said I was stretching. Yeah, you were you were quote unquote <laughs> stretching, and then you just happened to put your hands up on the tree. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of those so things good. where it's like, okay, I can tell you're up to something here, but uh, <laughs> right, right. Um, but I'm not a mind reader, as I'm sure most uh, of your listeners are not. Um, I mean, some of them are. Some but... of them are. Yes, sure. Right. I forgot the audience. <laughs> But don't assume that your partner is a mind reader. Yes. And uh, and and so, yeah, and going back on the crystal thing, just asking me to hang it. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can hang that wherever you want. But do I believe it's necessary? I don't know why you're asking me or I don't know, you know, you, I don't have that same reverence for it as you, mm-hmm. you word. Pertinently, certainly did at that time. So to me, it's just another honeydew here where you put this up and... I'm like, okay, sure. I'll add that to my list and I'll take care of it at some point. And yeah, but I I think, yeah, to your point, I I think uh, understanding the importance of that stuff to you is actually more helpful for us because it helps Mm. me understand that. And going back on what I said earlier too, about the impact of what I say or do, or trying to understand that the import of what I'm, what I'm doing, it's just, it's not, it's, I'm not aware of, of some of the things that you are you're up to, if you will. And so making sure that, you know, I'm helping you and uh, as much as I can is is always my goal. So, mm-hmm. Well, and I think like that's such a great one. I don't even remember that, which is awesome. And two, I think it just is a really great example of being authentic in relationship and, you know, trusting your partner enough to share who you are and what you believe and to know and trust the yin and yang of the relationship. Like you're both brought to teach each other. You were brought together for purpose and you're brought together to teach each other different things. And so, you know, don't hide your beauty and don't hide what you believe. Like have the trust and confidence in your partner because it may come to be something that they need to know too. And and I can tell you now, years later, since sharing all of this stuff, I mean, it is common discussion in our house. Law of attraction is common discussion in our house. There's, you know, lots of, lots of energy talk and, you know, it's like amazing to see how far we've come individually and as a family and 
And it's in, in part because of that experience. Like I really, that for me was the pivotal moment in our home, which I then allowed myself to have a place in the home. It was never you. Like mm-hmm. it was it was me hiding because I didn't feel like I could share. So then it became my own confidence that built so that I could talk about these things in the home. But now now I've allowed that energy to infuse throughout everybody. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, I think that feels super great, but is there anything more that you want to share on that topic? No, I mean, I think... You're, you're talking about courage of your convictions. And mm, and I do phrasing. think that that's, that's true in, in anything, right? I mean, there's, and particularly nowadays, and not, not to get in the political side of things, but obviously there's, there's a lot of uh, unhealthy- We can't record those conversations. Yes. <laughs> um, without, without getting into one side versus the other, there's a lot yeah. of just yelling and arguing. Mm. And, um, and I think that there's not as much, you know, it used to be that I think your ideas- at least maybe that's the idealistic part of me that wants to believe that it was is about ideas and issues. Um, and it's less so about that nowadays than it is just more about my team versus your team. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've always believed in the power of ideas. And, you know, if something means something, you know, to you and is, you feel strongly enough about it, then then great. And it doesn't matter what anyone else necessarily thinks or believes about that. You know, so who's to say whether those, you know, crystals or, you know, touching the tree or whatever really has the intended or expected impact. There's obviously a lot of people that believe that it does. And And there's science. Yeah. (laughs) I will include an incredible earthing link down below (laughs) that talks all about grounding and the science of grounding. There will be a great link to the earthing website down below. Yeah. (laughs) That I will also text you. (laughs) I think I've made you watch the video. (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure you've sent me many, many things like that. So, yes. <laughs> and anyway, so I, I just feel like you should follow your convictions on mm-hmm. on on what you believe. And um, and again, shutting out some of the noise or those challenges that you get from outside influences that shouldn't really shouldn't really be impacting your mm-hmm. how you feel about something necessarily. Right. right. So. Well, and I also think it is the it is about awareness of your partner, like what, what is important to them. And, Mm -hmm. and it might, the other person may not know that something's bothering you. So again, with the communication, like making sure, Hey, like, could you put down your phone and pay attention to me more or not interrupt me, you know, because it could be, you know, like this is a conversation that we had recently. Like I like to ask questions and I liked, I just like every detail so I can paint this picture in my mind but it turned out that my questions felt interrupting to you. And it was like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. And so now I try, I'm trying harder to, to be, you know, quieter or to hold my questions for a certain time. And because I love you and I want, you know, and, and I think relationship and personal development is always a marathon and we're never done and we're always improving. Right. Do you want to respond on that? <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is also something I think that also goes to communication style, mm-hmm. which we've we've talked about, um, and I'm not sure how relevant it is necessarily for your audience or how much you've talked about it with your audience. But, you know, I can be more direct to things. And we, we have the, uh, uh, the little diagram you showed, which was, you know, point A to point B is kind of my, my communication style is getting from here to there. And your communication style might be from 
point A over here to the side, which reminds me of the side story over <laughs> here, which has nothing to do with that, but I have to tell you about it anyway, because I just remembered that, and then circling around and whatever, and then eventually getting to point B. Um, and so when we have those sort of dialogues, I'm, I'm, you know, thinking, okay, I'm getting from point A, I'm getting to point B, I can see point B right there, or we're almost there, and then you're like, oh, by the way, like this, look at the, look out the window over here at this detour, and, <laughs> you know, let's, let's talk about all these other things. And I'm like, but I, I was so close to finishing my point and now mm. we're on something completely different. And then sometimes you might say, wait, what were we talking about again? And then I'll say, oh, we were talking about point B <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. I'm, I'm almost there, but let me finish that. So I never actually thought about it in that, that you're like, okay, I'm almost at point B and then how frustrating that could be for you. And mm -hmm. then in my mind, that reminds me of The Tale of Two Brains, which is this incredible talk that this pastor, Mark Gunger, did on the woman's brain and the men's brain and then how we go together. And in the men's brain, every single item is inside a tidy little box. And then all the boxes fit don't touch each other inside the brain. And when you want to talk about something, you pull the box out and you talk about that topic. And then you put the ball, the box back without it touching anything. And then, you know, he creeps over to the woman's brain, like all cautiously. And then when he gets to the woman's brain, he's like, and the woman's brain is all these different <laughs> dots and they're all connected and they're all wired together and they're all at the same time. <laughs> yes, very true. Which is so, I mean, his delivery is so great. I encourage you to watch this down below. I mean, really, it is, if you're in a relationship or not, just want to understand men and women, it is so fantastic. And, but I think that that is really true and beginning to understand that you are single focused and that I have multiple focus at the same time. And one, for me to learn how to be more focused on point B and for you to be a more malleable in kind of following the map a little bit. I, I think another thing that was been really helpful for us was through PAX programs. I took that course and mm. they talk about women like to share their berries. And so, but so they talk about women offering berries and berries are the color. So they say men see the world in black and white and that women see the world in color and so when we tell a story, we say, oh, my gosh, so I'd gotten a coffee at Phil's, you know, that favorite one, the ginger snap that I love. And I was wearing that sweater that you gave me for my birthday. And it was raining that day. So I was wearing my pretty red rain jacket. And for men, they want to remember point B. And so then they get exhausted from all the berries. But we we want to share the color. But we share the color first, and then we get to the point of what we are saying. But men get so lost and so exhausted with all of our berries <laughs> that then they don't know when to pay attention because they're so exhausted from remembering the raincoat and the coffee and the color of the sweater that we said that we were wearing when we ran into our friend. And they say that this comes from caveman days. When mm -hmm. the women would go out and hunt and gather the berries and we would have to know at that time, okay, the, you know, the tiger takes a nap behind this bush from one to three. So it's safe to get the berries then. And we know that these berries are poisonous. We know that these berries are ripe during this season and these are ripe during this season. But you would only share 
your knowledge of the berries with the other women that you trusted and that you liked. But so, so this is like a good warning and a good guide for all, all men and women who are listening. If you want to share with your men that when you're in good graces and you trust and you feel good, men and all women get lots and lots of berries. They get to hear the color of the sweater and they get to hear all about the day. But when somebody's mad, <laughs> what do women yeah. say? Uh, well, not much. And, um, <laughs> Fine. I kind of compare it, yeah, to our daughter when you ask her how her day was. <laughs> you get the one-word response, good. Um, now, obviously, different or, situation. Or when there, they're but, teenagers. <laughs> yes. This is our teenage daughter, I should be clear. So, yeah, I know that you are mad at me if you're not saying something to me. Or, you know, if I ask you a question and you, you give me a very short reply. Although sometimes, too, I know that you're busy and it could be that, you know, you're running around because you have another uh, exciting community night or book club <laughs> or um, right. many of the other uh, lovely things that you do with your community with Love Heal Thrive. Nice plug. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think understanding the berries has been really yeah. helpful because then he knows he knows that I'm I want to share my berries. Mm -hmm. And he also knows he doesn't have to remember those details. Like I just want to share those details with him, but he doesn't have to remember them. And I will literally say to him, Okay, these are my berries. And then after like five minutes, then I'll be like, Okay, this is the part to remember. And right. And it's like a different look that I get from you when when I then say that. <laughs> right. Well, and then I also realize too, if uh, at the after a few hours of you still responding with very limited response to any of my questions, then I can say, <laughs> okay, what did I do? <laughs> like, okay, so I, I think you're mad at me now. So what did I say or do that uh, upset you? Because that certainly wasn't intended. And, and I know sometimes too then, and again, I think because we have a strong relationship that we've developed and worked on over the years that um, then I found, yeah, sometimes when you tell me what it is, I'm like, oh, I had no idea that that, <laughs> that was anything at all. Like I didn't mean anything by that. That's not what I intended. I can understand how that may have been uh, received by you from that, from that standpoint, but that's, you know, I apologize and, and I didn't mean, mean to do that, but uh -huh. And I do think it comes back to uh, so much of it comes back to love language and expectation mm -hmm. of from our love languages of right. Like it was an acts of service that I asked you to do something and you didn't do it or um, but it again, that is my expectation or my interpretation that you didn't even mean about to do it or, you know, didn't mean to hurt my feelings. But um, then in sharing that, then it helps to clear things up. And I also think too, you know, we come to understand each other. So as we both know, I grew up in a blame household and that was the last thing I wanted in our personal family. And so I will often ruminate and think through things for my own self and kind of back away to, to think of how I'm responsible for whatever it is that I'm upset about, that it has nothing to do with you. I have to think through, okay, what voice in my head is actually saying that? It's just, it may be coming out of your mouth, but I'm hearing it as my dad, or I'm hearing it as, you know, a younger experience that triggers me or hurts me or upsets me. So if I can do that work within myself, then then we come to realize that and nothing to do with you at all, right? Mm -hmm. Or And, and then I, I feel like I'm good about when I have taken that time to then share that with you, that it's like, okay, 
I'm realizing you said this, but I, it's hurt because of this, this, and this, which I also think has, you know, allowed us to feel more connected to. And, mm-hmm. um, and you're like, and whew, now, you know, it's not my fault. <laughs> right. Is there anything else uh, that you want to say about that? I mean, I think that kind of covers that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, fortunately, then you then are off the hook on, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, I have two more topics that I want to cover. One, you are not the only man here that has a very spiritual wife. So, mm-hmm. do you have any advice to the spiritual women listening of what they should say or not say or expect of their husbands and do you have any advice for the husbands right now i think that you covered a lot of that earlier just talking about you know the um you know the courage to be yourself and and not to hide it um because like you said i think that most people i think would find that okay maybe your husband's not going to believe the same thing or your partner you know might not believe the same thing and certainly not with the same level of conviction that you have about it but that that's not, I, I think the question is, are, are you trying to persuade them and change them? Or are you trying to, you know, be yourself and your authentic mm-hmm. self, mm-hmm. right? And I think mm-hmm. there's a difference because if you're trying to tell someone what to do or what to believe, then there's going to be more uh, barriers or walls that they throw up because they're not going to want to be, you know, like if they don't have the same courage, you know, or the same uh, beliefs, uh, Right. Then then it's it, it it's feels more like an attack. Mm. Whereas if you're just saying, no, this is what I believe and this is what I'm trying to do or why I'm doing it. And you can explain it and, you know, whatnot. But, you know, you're not trying to. And I think that's part of it with our relationship. You know, you're not trying to convince me necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not trying to hide it. And I don't want you to hide it. Mm-hmm. And I think so. So I think that's part of it is just being authentic uh, to yourself um, because, like you mentioned before, when you, you didn't feel comfortable doing that, then you were resentful mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. through nothing that I I felt like I was doing. <laughs> Sorry about <right>? that. <laughs> I was just like, I can tell that she's angry, but for some reason. Right? <laughs> because uh, I wasn't holding space for myself, which had nothing mm-hmm. to do with you. Yeah, right. And yeah, and, and just be understanding that it's okay for them not to, your partner not to feel the same way mm-hmm. um, or agree. You know, like, you know, and a, a more plainer example, I think, like we talk about, you know, the TV shows or whatever that we like to watch. And I like to watch more action adventure stuff and you like to watch more romantic comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't uh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine watching romantic comedies every once in a while. Um, and I know you're perfectly fine watching action adventure every once in a while. But certainly there's stuff that I'm interested in watching that, you know, and that you're not as interested in and vice versa, but that's okay. Right. I mean, it's okay to have a separate interest like that. And I think it's the same thing there. It's just understanding that, okay, just because this is something that you're really passionate about or believe in, I want to be as your partner, I want to be supportive of you and making sure that you're able to um, follow your passions and, you know, go through this journey. It's, but it's, separate journey than the one I'm on mm-hmm. necessarily. So I appreciate that you're not trying to force me along, mm-hmm. you know, to do, mm-hmm. oh, well, we have to do this together. Right. Um, right. To do all these things. Right. So. No, I think you were totally right on the, um, I'm not trying to convince you. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think at one point I felt that either I had to convince you or 
it, or I, either I wasn't doing my job or I couldn't do it if you weren't convinced by it. And now I know that my practices are my own practices and mm-hmm. you'll get there when the time is right for you, mm-hmm. right? In your own way. Right. So, yeah, I think that that comes to, with acceptance and maturity and, you know, and I, I think, you know, working, working it all out through moments of misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> right. So good. Okay, so the last fun thing that I wanted us to do was you are a type Enneagram type nine and I'm an Enneagram type two. So on uh, the Enneagram Institute website, they have what each type brings to the relationship. So Mm -hmm. I sight unseen for both of us. I'm going to read through what the Enneagram Institute website says and then... We just each get to respond to if we think where that applies or just our personal experience to that. Okay. Sound good? Yep. Okay. Let's do it. Okay, good. Enneagram twos and nines are similar in a wide variety of areas and reactions. Both types are interested in nurturing others and in helping people to be better, more comfortable with themselves, and more at peace. Both types also tend to be optimistic and to reframe disappointments in the most positive way possible. I think that's yeah, very true. Sorry. I think that sounds enough. Oh, yeah, we can agree as we go. Yeah, we can agree as we go. I yeah. think that's spot on. Yeah. I totally agree. It's going to get trickier when right. it talks about the, <laughs> the challenges. Okay. <laughs> but I totally 100% agree that we're both great at reframing and um, being optimistic. Yeah. Uh, this pairing has an outstanding, warm, kindly, and good natured quality about it that each side reinforces. Twos and nines are easygoing, hospitable, and undemanding, happy to make friends happy and to welcome them into their home. Yeah. All true. I think we have great parties, great right. dinner parties, and great hosts and hostesses. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Twos bring to the pair a more outward and interpersonally engaging energy. They would most likely be the first to introduce themselves at a party or to mm-hmm. go to someone's aid and comfort if they perceived that the other person had some kind of problem. Twos are proud of their relationship their home, their family, and their friends, and they want to share them with others. All true. Yeah. Twos constantly add energy and new people to the relationship mix. They are more talkative than nines and more openly curious about other people, how they live, and what they are like, and more eager to get involved in others' lives. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay. Again, it gets trickier when um, the bad parts are true, too. And so it's nothing is bad. It's yes. all just areas of growth. Okay. Yeah. Opportunities for development. Opportunities for development. So on the other hand. Look at hand, us, the optimist, <laughs> negative news. Right? Yeah. So good. On the other hand, nines bring a quiet steadiness and uncomplicated directness that allows people to flourish and things to get done with a minimum of stress and conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is literally almost the words that you used to describe yourself right. earlier, right? You said right. practical and yeah. direct. And, and yeah. did you say direct? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's literally almost the words that you used to describe. Yeah. And I depend on that steadiness. Mm-hmm. And I remember several, several, many, many years ago, we had gone to couples counseling. And I remember our therapist had said, What is amazing about Eric for you is that he grounds you. Mm -hmm. And what is frustrating about you (laughs) is that Eric grounds you. (laughs) So 
but I think through the years I've come to love and appreciate that steadiness in in such a good way. Mm-hmm. And and I've also think I have found my own steadiness too. Yeah. Even if twos become upset about their relationships or are feeling moments of self-doubt about how loved they are. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Nines have a way of calming them down (laughs) (laughs) and of providing a great deal of unquestioned acceptance. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate that. That's all true. Both types are drawn to each other to provide soothing and support their home and hearth. Pets and love of nature are extremely important to them. (laughs) (laughs) Our daughter really wants a dog and we don't. Yeah, no dogs. No dogs. We're we're about ready to go travel. (laughs) Both go out of their way to be considerate of each other as well as of other people. Many of their best communication is nonverbal, physical, arising from their simple, direct presence to each other. They can develop almost a psychic link with each other. This is a very mellow couple whose emphasis on hospitality reminds people of how healing it is to be around loving, generous people. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say that's very true. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people say that about our home mm-hmm. and about us in general. Well, that must be the end of it. So <laughs> <laughs> I think they hit all that on the nail on the I'm head, put right? put my glasses so. on for the second <laughs> half. <laughs> okay. But this is where the good stuff is. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all good, but this is also important. So potential trouble spots or issues. Here we go. None. Wow. (laughs) Wow. It's weird. There's two paragraphs here. Oh, no. Um, Both twos and nines tend to give away their power and to go along with the agendas of others. Yet one of the parties will have to wear the pants in the family, taking charge and making decisions. (laughs) What? (laughs) Doing so goes against the grain of both types, although either will take charge if necessary. However, negotiating power and decision-making in a two-nine couple puts both parties under increasing stress, and both tend to feel that they are being forced into the bad guy role in the family. Oh my gosh, you can't make this up. (laughs) And that they will be resented and unloved while their partner gets off the hook. (laughs) What? I can't even believe this is in writing. So, yeah, I I feel like I have felt frustrated about feeling like I had to be the bad guy. I, in fact, I even say the bad guy. Right. And I think that when there's been moment as a nine, you have a wing to eight, which is more an outward assertion. And, and we both share your nine one, I'm two ones. We both share in the one uh, perfectionism mm. that we want to do right. We want to follow the rules. We want, we know the difference between good and bad. We, that part is very clear for both of us. And you have a natural wing to eight where for me, two goes to eight under stress. So me moving into eight looks more angry and, you know, bulldozing where eight for you is more just assertive and holding the line, which I have very much complimented you when you have done, Mm -hmm. um, when you have moved into your eight wing and just been like, nope, we're going to be clear on this and we're going to hold the line and, but you don't do it getting upset. So I feel like I've learned a lot about your eightness because I have eightness in me too, but my eightness looks very angry and because that's my stress. Like that's my, that's, you know, I go to there when I have, I'm powerless and I know nothing else. So I have, I feel like I have grown a lot in my eightness by 
seeing your eight example. Mm-hmm. And then in those moments, I don't have to be the bad guy. Right. But my bad guy is way uglier because my bad guy in eight <laughs> it's just it looks way worse. <laughs> yeah, this is like the uh, where, where you're more likely to pull out the nuclear option on something. And I'm like, whoa, that just escalated quickly. <laughs> right, right. Um, there's a difference between holding the line and, and then immediately progressing to the to that nuclear option. And I, and I guess I'm thinking more not necessarily between us, but maybe dealing with our right. children. Right, so. parenting, yeah. <laughs> and parenting, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, but no greater, like, okay, there's no well, greater parent. I yeah. mean, there's no greater teacher than your children. Yeah. And so you learn more about yourself through parenting than you do, I think, anything else. Yeah. So no, but so I, you know, I think that's true, though. I've, I have learned a lot about my eightness by watching your example of mm-hmm. eight. But we we have different relationships with the eightness. So, and just to be clear, too, as a in the in the way that the enneagram works you have a number and i'm sorry i should have talked about this in the beginning if you're unfamiliar in the enneagram you are and i will include the test down below so you can know your number but as a two i move to the personality of eight you're in stress and i move to the personality type of four when i feel safe as a nine, and, and we have also have access to the numbers on either side of us. So I am a two one wing, but I also have access to the three on the other side of me. Where the nine, he is a nine one wing, but he has access to the eight on the other side um, easier. And then in times of stress for him, he moves to six. And in times of uh, joy and happiness, he moves to the personality type of three. So it is this influx and understanding of where your personality moves to in the different numbers that makes this system so fascinating. And truly, when you can understand the movement between the personality types, it really is this roadmap for yourself to understand what aspects of your personality you need to strengthen in order to just bring more balance and joy and happiness in your life. And and for instance, here, I move to stress eight for me. When I'm stressed, I move to eight. However, in order to bring more balance into my life, I need to incorporate some of eight. So I need to incorporate stronger boundaries and a little more assertion into my life so that I don't end up in the bad guy part of eight. So I think this is where it's been very helpful. But as a wing for Eric, as a nine, eight, as him moving into eight as a wing, he's not under stress or joy when he gets, it's just an inherent part of his personality. And so you've been a great guide for me on how to do eight in a more proactive way. Uh, And again, I will include the Enneagram test down below. Okay. One more paragraph. Ready? Okay. (laughs) Nines find it difficult to find their own voice and to speak up for themselves. But when the nine actually does speak up, the two often takes this as a lack of. <laughs> uh oh. But when the nine actually does speak up, the two often takes this as a lack of gratitude and tries to turn the nine's comments around on them. Hmm. <laughs> Ouch. I don't know if I turn it around on you. Maybe the lack yeah. of gratitude for sure hits home. I don't know if I. Do I turn it around on you? No, I. Definitely I don't the know. lack like... of gratitude, but that's uh, that is an inherent issue of mine as a two anyway is right. I want to be appreciated but yeah I don't I don't I mean other than 
you you mentioning that you don't feel appreciated or something at, at certain times but um but I, and, and I think maybe that was probably more of an issue you know 10 plus years ago than mm-hmm. it is now so mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't feel like you're very sweet and cute about appreciating me now thank yes, you yes you're, you're welcome <laughs> so yeah I don't think that's a as as much of an issue now okay twos are not good at taking criticism <laughs> <laughs> And when nines, so I have to pause there because I, you are such a hero to me so often. Let me tell you, so often I will hand him my work things (laughs) and be like, can you look this over? Thinking that he's going to be like, this is amazing. (laughs) Get the trumpets out. This is the most wonderful, amazing thing ever. And he'll just like tear it apart. And then I'll get so mad and frustrated. But then in the end, like... It is even more brilliant. It was, let's, let's be clear. It was brilliant to begin with. (laughs) But in the end, when he has added his insight or, Hey, this doesn't really make sense. Or you're jumping to, I, you know, you're not going A to B here. You're going A to D here. Like Mm -hmm. fill in, fill in the C. It's even more brilliant. And so afterwards I always say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But, and I've gotten better about it, but there's been many a times where I would expect or hope for <laughs> standing, <laughs> applause. Pro- standing, <laughs> standing applause, but then he like tears it apart. Um, but I've come to know now to like take it because, because it turns out so good at the end. Yeah. And, and I try to make sure that I also provide some of the positive feedback too, and not just, you know, point out the, you know, the smaller things or like one of the things I'm really good at doing is noticing when there's an extra space in between <laughs> words. Um, it's so, how I learned to type. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but making sure that I am giving positive feedback as well, mm-hmm. because it is usually most of the time I am like, oh, this is great. And this is like, uh, you know, I think 90% perfect. Right. right. And then it's just, Oh, but the other 10%, here's, right. here's what well, I Well, let's be honest. Right. We both want 110%, so it'd right. be like 20%. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but just trying to, and, and again, that goes back to me just being mindful of, of how I'm providing feedback and stuff to you as well. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and I think these are hard-earned lessons of time together and maturity and just a lot of time spent. Again, back to Ram Dass. Once again, I've read a ton of his articles and he's just a brilliant, brilliant teacher. Um, But he would always say, and it it actually might even be in the same article on the triangle of love, but he would say when, when people first get married, his best recommendation is for them to just go live on an isolated island for five, for five years so that they can, you know, one, create this entity that create that is created between the two of them, but also that they can understand their nuance and understand each other because it just simply takes time and experience together. Yeah, and I said that sounds like a five-year honeymoon. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be so amazing. I think that's what they call retirement. Yeah. <laughs> soon, honey, soon. Soon, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> okay, almost there. Twos are not taking good at criticism, yes. Okay, and when nines find the courage to speak up, they may go overboard (laughs) with a load of old resentments that have piled up. The result is that nines withdraw into silence and become passive aggressive as a way of dealing with their anger while twos feel unappreciated, misunderstood, and rejected. Okay. 
I, yeah, Would I you like to sit in silence there? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I don't, I, I feel like I do a decent job of yeah, I think so. speaking up on a regular basis when I'm bothered by something. So I don't, I don't feel like I sit on stuff for, mm-hmm. for long. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you about it if there's something that upset me. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm mindful of how I phrase what I'm saying. <laughs> Smart man. Um, right. <laughs> well, and I but, remember when we first started dating, mm-hmm. you, I felt, you know, I grew up again in a house where I felt like I had to smile all the time. I was the cheerleader of my family, of my dysfunctional family. I was the cheerleader. And I remember you saying, like, if you're unhappy, don't smile. Like, I'd rather you be authentic with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you don't need to be happy if you're not happy. Like, I'd rather see the truth of you than the fake smile of you right goodness knows what you're opening the door (laughs) to (laughs) lots of authenticity is what you're opening the door to on that right and the ability to build a a beautiful future together thank you yes i agree i feel very grateful no but you know a lot of people always say wow there is the magic between the two of you and I'm always surprised that people would say that and I always say oh it's because we've known each other for so long but I do think it's not just that we've been together for so long but that it's we've had we've learned to be authentic with each other mm-hmm. for a long time okay almost there unappreciated misunderstood and rejected all right that's where we were <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Both try to keep everything quiet and normal on the surface, although they begin to deteriorate into longer silences with each other and more distance, including less physical contact. An air of tension takes over, punctuated by angry outbursts and recriminations. The couple that seems so unassuming and supportive tends to end through attrition and drifting apart. Nobody wants to talk about what has really happened. Nobody wants to take responsibility for the deterioration of the relationship and things eventually fa- fall apart. I mean, I would say that that would tr- be true before the counseling and before mm-hmm. all the work that we've done. You know, another great lesson that our therapist had taught us was, you know, what's, what is under anger? Mm-hmm. And, you know, both of us could get angry, but, you know, anger is just actually hurt feelings and sadness. And so she challenged us with the assignment to not say the word anger or be mad, but to then investigate what was below the anger, like what hurt feelings or what inferiority or what sadness was under the anger um, so that we could actually really start to be connected. And I remember there was a moment I told it, this is like such a good therapy progress moment because one year, many years ago, our daughter had gotten uh, bit by a ticket Girl Scout camp and she'd gotten Lyme and then healed and um, she was totally unfazed by it. And, but then she was going back to that same summer camp um, the next summer and it was you know, I was stressed because I didn't want the same thing to happen again. It had been a long road to recovery. I was so grateful she was helped, but she, she wasn't nervous. And I was so upset that morning that I started, you know, being curt with you and whatever. And then you came over to me and recognized that I wasn't mad at you, that I was scared. I was worried. I was all the thing, all the things because here we were and, you know, our daughter was totally unfazed, but um, it was more my PTSD from that whole experience. And you came over and said, 
you, I remember you held, held my arms and you're like, she's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was like this moment of like, pause on the anger button because nobody was actually really angry. It was like, I was scared. I was nervous. I was sad. I was all these other things, but it was just showing up as anger. Like anger was easy, but it was all these other things. And you, and you pause it and it totally diffused the situation. Like it totally diffused everything. And you're like, she's going to be fine. And she was. Right. So. Yeah. No, it's true. A lot of times, you know, and I think through that experience too, you realize that the thing that you're fighting over, you know, angry about, it's not really the, the real thing that's bothering you. That's just mm-hmm. the, maybe the stimulus or the trigger or whatever that, that got you into the fight, but mm-hmm. it's not really, you know, that issue of whatever minor thing, grand scheme of thing is, might be a minor thing that you're, you feel like you're arguing over. Mm-hmm. And I think that was also part of that, uh, perspective shift as well that, that I think I went through back then, which is, okay, does it really matter? Like, you know, if you're right or not, you know, on that particular issue, because mm-hmm. the, the, you know, what the important thing is, is, you know, the relationship between us and, you know, the, the love that we have for each other. And so like in the big picture, that little thing really isn't that big of a deal. And so maybe I used the wrong word or, you know, whatever, but that wasn't, like I said, that wasn't my intention. And so if I realized, okay, um, just accepting responsibility for that, that, okay, the word I used wasn't the right word and, and not in a, in a blaming way, but that I could have said something different that still had the same, that better conveyed my intentions mm-hmm. in that particular example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but it's the same, you know, vice versa. So also, also recognizing that when you say something or do something to that, maybe it triggers me or makes me upset, but, mm-hmm. um, but that I also have that, uh, faith that you didn't, you aren't intentionally trying to, ha ha, I'm going to get him. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> um, and yeah, so it's just, I think it's, uh, strengthened our relationship as well. Yeah, I agree. Well, I feel very fortunate. I've, and, and I feel like it's not just fortune though. And that's what I want to say to anyone who's in a new relationship or anyone who's also maybe in this struggle place in their relationship, you know, there is the time that is like exciting, exciting, like you meet your your partner, you get engaged and you get married. It's all excitement, excitement. You have a, a baby. That's exciting. Then they're talking. That's exciting. Then they're walking. There's a, That's exciting. So it's excitement, excitement, excitement. And then you hit this period of time in relationship where it's a grind, Right. And there's not as many, quote unquote, exciting things. It is this grind. And this is where I think it is the hardest part, because then then when your kids are grown and then they get married and they have babies, all that that excitement starts all over again. Right. But there's this window that PAX programs will also say, too, is like this window that's the most challenging for couples because you have to find excitement and make peace with where you are. And, you know, and then you're going through this period of life where have I done enough with my life? And where, you know, here's my here's my window of opportunity. Like if I haven't done it, it's time to do it now. And so I think that, you know, knowing that the time and the effort and the work matters, like it's not just fortune. It is spending time with each other. It is allowing for acceptance. It's getting to know their love language and trying to communicate in your love, in your partner's love language and understanding and understanding where you have expectations 
either on love language or other things. And I would say also knowing the Enneagram, like understanding the patterns and the ways that they stress out and the ways that they are happy and the ways that they're at peace. I think coming to understand all of these nuances about yourself first and also then understanding this about the partner, your partner is infinitely valuable because it allows and offers closeness and connection and a great deal of love. I agree. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and if nothing else, then you can always agree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for um, being so vulnerable always mm-hmm. and sharing your heart with not just me, but our listeners here too today. And um, happy Valentine's Day. Right. I thank, love you. Thanks for having me on. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Hopefully you'll come on again. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I love you very much as well. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this helps you so much come to understand where expectation plays a part in your relationship, where understanding yourself first makes such a difference. And I hope that this helps you have not only a wonderful Valentine's Day, but a wonderful day every day. Be sure to join my newsletter at lovehealthrive.com. And as always, love yourself enough to heal and heal yourself enough to thrive.